welcome to the Brand Clarity Podcast, hosted by Visions to Images and Susie Libertor. The Brand Clarity Podcast highlights several different topics, including entrepreneurship, franchises, and digital marketing trends. Visions to Images helps corporations and franchises with their branding, website, paid advertising, and digital marketing. Hello, everybody. Today, I have Charles Kaiser, and he's he's the CFO for Kaiser Enterprises, and I'm super excited to have him on. He's multi-owner and has had a lot of growth and success in the franchise industry, so I'm super excited to chat with him. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. So the first question we'll kind of talk about is tell us how you got started in this industry, first and foremost. Tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, the first franchise opened in 2005. And that was a journey that was taken from the late part of high school into college. Mm-hmm. Um, my business partner and older brother is five years older in school. Mm-hmm. And so as I was coming into college, he was leaving college. And through my college career, he and I were always discussing going into business together. And honestly, we didn't think we would go into like a franchise. We didn't really know a lot about it. Right. Where my brother worked after college, there was uh, one of the owners actually was a franchisee at the time of a couple Arby's, but he also owned an independent truck stop that had like a restaurant within it. Cool. And so the advice that he gave us was to jump into a franchise. And what he had recommended was, um, if we go into that, probabilities of us being able to scale it quicker was much higher than if we were to start our own thing. Absolutely. We took advice and started looking at franchises. And then we kind of thought, you know, when being in college and in a college town, pizza, you know, pizza was a good choice. And so we were looking for something that wasn't already established in our area. And so we did online searches, which was you know, pretty primitive back then. Right. And, uh, but we did find Little Cedars, got started with Little Cedars as our first uh, brand. Very cool. And so now you're a multi owner of several different brands and, and have a lot of locations. So, how did you arrive at that? Well, so again, in 05, we started with Little Cedars and had pretty solid growth with that for the amount of money that we had to get started with. We had obviously had to take the profits for the second to make the second location and the third. Mm-hmm. And in 05 was kind of the re-imaging and rebirth of Little Caesars. And they did at a corporate level, they did a great job selling out all the territories mm. around us. And so um, it really kind of boxed us in. We weren't able to grow as quick as we needed to. And to give you an idea, we in 05, March of 05, we opened the first one. Had the second one open September of 06. And then in 07, we opened up two. So we had really good growth. Yeah. Um, but they just did a really good job selling out the territory. And so we kind of got boxed in because we we're in a rural area at the time as well. So we operated those. Uh, and then we opened up one, you know, in like 2012, a territory had opened up. And so we saw that there was going to be limited options for us to continue to grow unless we were to go pretty far away and have a lot of windshield time or you know flight time in between territories. And at that age and at that time, that wasn't the right choice for us. Uh, we needed we needed to be kind of hands-on. So then we kind of pivoted and we were Valpac franchisees for a short while. And then we had done that to kind of complement the brand that we had um, with Little Caesars. That didn't 
uh, last very long. We, op- we opened that up right in 08 in the pandemic, or upside of the pandemic, but the uh, financial crisis of 08. And it was, um, it was challenging. Uh, it was a rural market, something that was a great experience to do. We just didn't have a ton of success with it in that market during that time. And in 2010, we found Spore Clips, men's haircuts. Mm-hmm. A great opportunity for us because it spoke to us in the sense that you know it served a niche very similar to like what it was for little Caesars, you know, selling a pepperoni pizza. Um, we did have cheese and sausage, but predominantly it was one pizza, one size. So this was similar. It was it was men and boys predominantly, right? And so kind of spoke to us. And for us, it was an opportunity that we still had a lot of territory that was available for us to purchase and acquire license. And that's what we did. So we're very fortunate that we got into the brand at that time because they had already started growth, but it wasn't quite as explosive yet. And so we got in at a great time. We still own those today. We got 27 of those. Late 21, we had sold our little seizures and we took that and we parlayed that into uh, some medical spas that we own today. And so we opened up five of those last year. So I'm kind of skipping around on the timeline, jumping up to there. But yeah, in 2014, yeah. we also added Octifresh carpet cleaning. I was going to say, so, I was just checking that one out. I was like, didn't you forget one? Hang on. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I kind of skipped ahead as to the sale of, of little seizures in 21. But back in 14, we started Oxyfresh carpet cleaning. That was another uh, great brand. We were able to acquire the entire St. Louis market and have been operating it ever since. It, it's been great. It's been you know, the businesses that we've been in are all very different, different customers, different employee base. And it's been quite an experience to learn that, you know, just feel really fortunate to be where we are today. So how long would you guesstimate like it took you to, uh, to get over 38 units? Because I mean, like you said, like you had the little Caesars and stuff, but it sounds like at the time, like as you fast forward, it was probably within years, right? No, um, you know, it took a little bit of time because yeah. The salons, you know, when you when you grow those from ground up, they don't have the same explosive grand openings that like a restaurant would. Right. So, um, you know, they kind of grow over time. So it takes a few months before you get to break even and, and and you go from there. So they're a good controlled lift and and it's a great model. I would say, you know, for us to poke over 30, you know, it took us until, you know, 2018, 2019. And so when I look at what's our situation today, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we've kind of put all that groundwork in to get that. It's put us in a position that's very solid. And I kind of feel like we're at the start of our new beginning and to have even more explosive growth and really to be able to uh, multiply what we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, we're set up and ready for that. And so that's what we're looking forward to. That's amazing. Well, congratulations on your growth because that's first and foremost, you've done a great job and obviously you're looking for more as time allows. So that brings me to my next question is, what do you look for when you're investing into these companies? Like, What is what are some things that you're like, yes, I want to work with these people? Well, the, the journey has really changed on that. Going back to Little Cedars, I got fortunate that I just fell into a great brand. Sure. Um, I was looking for an opportunity then. Yeah. And um, that's it. You know, I, I would have done anything. And and that's what what that was. As each iteration of this moved forward, started to really understand what it is that is important to us and what we're looking for. Fortunately, with the brands that we're in, 
those are all there. And so what those things are, first thing is obviously unit economics has to be there. And I think if you ask most franchisees, what's the first thing they look at, that's probably it as well. Uh, it's important though, because some brands are set up to where you can have, it works really well as a owner operator model, mm-hmm. but then it becomes kind of difficult to scale because of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Then you have others that are really built to where you could have a manager in place right from the beginning and the model still you know, has a good bottom line to where you can add uh, overhead, which would be like area managers and support to it and still scale it out. So those are things that you got to find out what you're comfortable with, what your goals are on what you choose. Next thing, the leadership team mm. is really important, right? Are they private? Are they public? One's not better than the other. It's just you need to understand that relationship and and what uh, what that could mean in the future. Both have pros, both have cons. You know, I look for who the other franchisees are because mm. I, I like to talk to them before I get in. Not only to hear uh, what they have to say about the brand, right? Uh, but just to find out what it is that's important to them because what's important to them is kind of comes down from what's important to the franchise or in the brand at, at large. While you know you can op- open and operate a really successful location, if you're in a market that has other franchisees and if um, they have different ideology, uh, it's, it, it may not work, right? Right. So making sure that uh, everyone's kind of aligned with um, what's important to the brand. Some other things that would be important is where are they in their growth cycle? So an emerging brand brand versus a, an incredibly mature brand, right? That would right. be the two ends of the spectrum. And where are they in that journey? And you got to choose based off of what's important to you. For me, you know, we are looking for something that is a little bit past emerging, uh, but still has a lot of territory and has a lot of capabilities to be able to, to scale and grow out. No, I think that's important. I think you touched on a lot of great points. I mean, if it's not scalable, obviously it's not going to be good long term and people aren't going to be interested. Um, and I think the leadership team is obviously first and foremost. So, I mean, second, whatever is so important though, because you're dealing with them on a daily basis, weekly basis, whatever. And I always tell people, especially when it comes to their marketing, you know, tell your story, show who you are, let people know up front who your team is, all of those things, because those relationships are really what drive success, right? You're going to, mm-hmm. they're almost like you're buying into a family, essentially, right? You're all working together and you have to be able to have that trust and family built. So I love those. And then, yeah, emerging versus mature. I mean, I hear emerging so much these days because everybody's like emerging to some extent. And it's always interesting. Like I was writing down in my notes, I was like, what is defined as emerging? Because everybody has different approaches to what is emerging. And I'm like, emerging can be like less than 10, but sometimes people say they're emerging when they have 50. And I'm like, well, okay. So what's your definition of emerging? I, I think 100. I think anything below 100 is emerging. Now, that doesn't mean that there's some incredibly robust you know, concepts that have, say, 60 or 70 or even 80. I would totally take a look at them. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's also part of if they're very isolated in one part of the country, just truly understanding if I'm going to take it to a different part, will it work, right? They've got more units and they're spread out, then you kind of have a little bit more of an understanding on that. Those are some things that I look at. Some other things that I look at more like on the financial side as well is what does it cost? Um, what, what's the exit look like? 
you know, if you're in a situation and a lot of brands are right now that it's um, cheaper to purchase than it is to build, then that kind of changes a lot of things and how you look at what your exit would look like versus if it was the other way around. A person just needs to understand that. And I can be honest with you, when I got into Little Seizures and even Sport Clips in the beginning, those weren't things that I thought about. You right. know? Again, I was young. I was just looking for the opportunity. But anything I do moving forward, those those are things that are real uh, conversations that we have. They matter. They matter yeah. on what I'm going to move forward with. Hey there, I want to interrupt this episode with a quick message. If you're listening to this podcast episode and want to learn about branding your franchise or small business, then go to brandingbridge.com. That's branding-bridge.com. My next and most favorite is what have you found successful as far as marketing goes? I know like sometimes people have corporate um, marketing assets and tools, but then also they can have their own local as well. But what have you found that personally has worked for you? It's interesting because when we got into Little Caesars, they didn't have like a robust national marketing plan. And then halfway through, they did. They brought that back. And, you know, doing the local stuff was fun. And it was intriguing because we got to make the decisions. And it worked. And I got to tell you, though, for that particular brand, when we got onto national advertisement, it worked even better. You know, just the purchasing power to to buy the ads. And so when you're when you're in, you know, pizza of one of the big, big top four, it's a grind for market share. Yeah. And so it takes a lot of dollars. And so in that arena, it's really nice to have the national marketing. You know, some of the things that we've done locally, sending letters out to businesses like an OxyFresh, you know, send a per- personalized letter out to them. I get a good response back from that. What kind of response do you get? Do you get them to call you? Like what kind of response or email you? Like just yeah, they get they they call. But the other thing is, you know, and I'll have a, a call to action on the letter, and yeah. they will, um, you know, they'll hang on to that letter, and they'll, they'll call six months later, right. say, "Hey, I got this letter from you," and, and I know which letter it would have been, and so it's like, wow, that, they held on that for six months. They trickle in all the time. So that, that's that's one of the few things I do locally, but. Again, Oxyfresh does an awesome job on the corporate level sure. to support all the marketing, you know, for each of the franchisees. Yeah, Sport Clips does the same. I mean, they've got a really good uh, national pr- plan now. So, on the marketing side, there's a lot of stuff that's done by the franchisor, right. and again, that's that's where that that relationship and and yes. being part of a brand that is doing a great job with that, you can really leverage that and focus on operations and then right. grow your stores. Absolutely. Do you, so do you still do letters to business like to this day? Because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it still works yeah. good for you. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kudos to you. I mean, sometimes, I mean, and it can be a little pricey, but obviously it's not as pricing as doing ads on um, t- television and stuff like that. But I, I love the idea of having that personalization and giving them some snail mail um, because it does work. Probably, I, I know B2B and B2C, and I feel like B2B would probably be more beneficial from those types of things rather than B2C because B2C gets so much and then they're just going to trash it. Whereas B2B, they're looking at it like, huh, what is this? You know, And they're able to digest it and like you said, come back later. So I love that you, yep. s- you do that still. I-, I will tell you though, for the B2C though, to retain customers, one thing that we'll do is we send a postcard. After we've completed the service, we'll send a thank you card. And the, the the technician that was on site would uh, fill out 
just kind of a quick statement saying thank you for having us out and would sign it and we just put it in the mail for them. I love it. I mean, I feel like some of that's missing in this day and age. Everything is so digital. I'm not opposed to digital, but I also know like yeah. you you can feel special. I mean, even when you get like a mail from a friend and they're just saying thinking of you or thank you and they're having these little postcards. I mean, those go a long way. People kind of have grown away from those because of the digital, but it, there's nothing like that. So I love that you mm-hmm. do that as well for the clients. So where where did you find all of these opportunities? I mean, you have so many. So like, was there one way that worked for you? Yeah, I can go through each of them. We found Little Cedars just by searching online. And obviously, we were looking at a different pizza place uh, first. Mm-hmm. The problem was they were regional. And where we wanted to open, they weren't going to be able to get commissary to us. They couldn't get food to us on a regular basis. So we had to go back online. And we had heard of Little Cedars, but we didn't ever have any in our market. So we didn't really know to even look for them in the beginning. And as we just continued to do searches, we found them. And then that's how we we did that was an internet search. Right. Valpe was through just kind of knowing marketing vehicles from being in Little Cedars and mm-hmm. reached out to them. Then we got to Sport Clips for a short while as a franchise broker. They were in that portfolio and I was just looking at them and I talked to Jesse about it and I said, Hey, you know, I think this would be great. He agreed. Um, there was a, a real niche for that market. And so there was plenty of territory open, loved the leadership team and went with that. And it's been great. Oxyfresh. So at that, at that time in 2014, that was our first year ever going out to the multi-unit franchise conference out. Generally, I think it's always in Vegas and it's an amazing conference. And so they were one of the uh, vendors that was at the trade show. And uh, we got to meet them and we went ahead and signed with them there. And then um, the med spas, ideal image that we're in, it's more of a partnership rather than a franchise. We met them as well at the multi-unit la- 20, let's see, today's it's 23. So that would have been late 21 okay. that I think we would have met them. Um, so our, our last two brands came from the multi-unit franchise conference. It's a great show. So I, I recommend to any franchisee head out there, there's going to be so much you're going to learn, possible a new brand, a new concept for you. But the folks that go out there are are fantastic. And there's some huge operators that are out there. Uh, and everyone that's out there that I've run into, just really, really sharp individuals and willing to share anything yeah. that you got, any questions. And so I learned a lot when I was out there. And so um, definitely recommend everyone kind of put that on their list. So here's an entrepreneur question for you. Um, obviously, failure is good and bad, right? So what is your biggest mistake that you've made that has actually like benefited you? So a mistake that was made was when we bought the carpet cleaning company, we initially came out of the gates marking it like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of print all over the entire territory, just uh, slammed it really hard. And what that ultimately ended up doing was our technicians that we had, had them kind of driving all over this big territory, tons of windshield time. If I could have gone back, what I would have done was more targeted marketing mm. and grown an area out, created synergy and, and grow it out from that way. A lot of money was spent, uh, yeah. a lot of windshield time for our guys. Unfortunately. So that was definitely a mistake. You know, we marketed the way that we would a different type of business. And so that was very similar to, like I said earlier, you know, when you get into a different type of business, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta figure out who that customer is, absolutely, what they're what they're like, 
Second thing you got to do is you got to figure out who that employee is and yeah. what they're like. And so you can attract and retain them as well. The marketing in some regards is different in, in between uh, concept to concept and how you do a grand opening versus not and stuff. And so that was a huge lesson I learned. Spent a lot of money. If I could have went and started over again, probably mm -hmm. would have uh, spent less money and been able to kind of grow like with synergy, you know, as right. I kept moving right. out. So that was definitely a mistake that was made, but you know, it's what I knew. Yeah, no, I love it. I think, well, I don't love that you made that mistake, but I love talking about mistakes because we all make them period. But as entrepreneurs, we always do. And then we overthink it. And then we're like, well, should we have done things differently? But then we learn from it and are better next time. So I always kind of love hearing those things. Yeah. So that's whenever anyone asks me, um, you know, especially in the carpet cleaning business, yeah. you know, what would you have done different? That always is like top of the list. My last question for you is you manage multiple brands. How do you keep up with all of them? I mean, I'm sure you have different employees and different things going on. So how do you manage the day-to-day -day stuff? Well, again, like I said, I've got um, Jesse, who's uh, my business partner, and we kind of break things up to where he's a little bit more front of the house. I'm more back of the house. Okay. Um, you know, on the Oxy side, I take care of the operations of it, but also the back side of it spore clips he'll take care of the front side and then i take care of the back side and of that and when we had little cedars i would take care of the front and the back of it and the, I, it was smaller so we just kind of figured out where each person had unique abilities and that's where we uh gravitated to and that's worked out really well i think that's important i mean obviously knowing your strengths and your weaknesses um can be beneficial and sometimes mm -hmm. you know if you're trying to be partners or have too many people involved and they're overstepping their boundaries, then it's like, hey, remember my strength? <laughs> um, yeah, no, we've, we've lined it out well. Everyone knows their lane. And then yeah. the other component right. to that, because that was just like on the ownership side that I was speaking about. Yeah. On the other side, it is just um, attracting, retaining good quality people Absolutely. and empowering people to go into the leadership roles of the um, support structure that we've got for our company. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. I mean, I'm pretty proud of the fact that uh, both of our families were over in Germ just over in Germany. We just got back from the first of November. We got back a few days ago, and then Amazing. had to go out to Vegas for the restaurant uh, finance conference. And never really got a call uh, from any of our company. I mean, just an email every, every yeah. couple of days, uh, an update here and there. And everyone did a great job, and I think that's because we just always are constantly training and developing. To, for for moments like that. So it was great. And it was great for the team, gave them the opportunity to show as well that yeah. they know what they're doing, right? It was ex exciting for everybody, the fact that yeah. we went and and it, it ran really well. So it makes yeah. me excited to know what we're doing is right. It's working. And we're just going to continue to do more of the same. And what's more of the same, more of the same is honestly growing and figuring out how to get better at what we're doing every day. So it's not the same like monotonously, you know, it's this, it's the same of continued growth. And so we're looking forward to the next chapter and the next chapter is we're looking for another, another brand, another concept, uh, that's, that's probably in the restaurant segment. And that's okay. why uh, we were there at the conference. Well, that sounds exciting. I agree with that. I mean, I think that as an entrepreneur, like if your business can't function without you, then there's issues. I mean, granted, it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you need to be able to step away from your day-to-day -day activities and not be hands-on every single day. And I've learned that throughout my years of entrepreneurship as well. 
Um, so it's fantastic that you kind of have that in place because it's so important. And and the team members obviously are laid out perfectly, and but they can feel good at the end of the day because that's really what makes people stay at a company. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, some of that we've developed the company like that, honestly, from the beginning. And uh, be honest, in the beginning, it probably wasn't totally intentional that we knew <laughs> that we're trying to build a self-running right. company. But I will tell you that in the very beginning, when I would run restaurants, mm-hmm. it, if someone called in, I had to stay. If if this happened, I had to stay. And so I learned really quick that yeah. there's, there's going to need to be some layers of, of educated people inside the company. Sure. Plus, it gives you an, a platform to be able to bring people in and give them such opportunities themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a company that is really employee centric, you know, and you're really caring about the people, that means that you're going to take the time to coach and develop. That's just what that means. If there's not coaching and developing happening, I mean, they're not, they're not the priority and they've got to be the priority. So we've always made them priority. Absolutely. And I think it just showed when we, when we took off uh, over to Germany for a while here. And, and so that was a great, uh, a great lesson, you know, to learn. Well, perfect. If somebody wants to learn more about you or your company, what can they do to find you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and yeah, you can find me there, Charles Kaiser. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise. And it was really great to hear about your journey and congratulations on it. Thank you everybody for listening in on today's brand clarity episode with Susie Libertor. Two things. First and foremost, please, if you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave some positive reviews. Also, don't forget to sign up for Stop Sending Your Customers to the competition and get my insider secrets to compelling branding that converts. You can find that at branding-bridge.com. It's a free workbook for you to check out right now all of the branding techniques and strategies that I use for my paying clients.